This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back into the Gym Day Podcast. Appreciate you checking us out. And uh, you've already seen what's on the Major League Baseball field of the Reds, who have done a uh, good job of drafting and developing international signings, trading for young talent. I mean, you are seeing it on the Major League field right now. And there's more to come. And to talk about that, my pleasure to bring in and talk to this gentleman once again. He's the senior writer for MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis. Jim, how you doing? Nice to talk to you again. Good, good talking to you too. How are you doing? I am fantastic. It's been a renaissance of uh, Reds baseball, even though there's a long way to go. But uh, from where they've come from the last few years, particularly last year, uh, it's been exciting to watch. From a national perspective, what's it been like to watch this Reds team? It's been exciting. I mean, obviously, Elliot De La Cruz seems like every night he's doing something. Um, he's doing something exciting, um, uh, you know. And the team's obviously played well after a slow start. But yeah, no, I mean, they've been kind of like must-watch TV for a while. Now, I particularly wanted to talk to you about this most recent draft. Um, and lo and behold, I, I when you know when the draft was going on, I'm like, wow, oh, that guy kind of fell. That guy kind of fell. Um, from afar, and then I see at the end where you were ranking drafts, overall drafts, and you had the Cincinnati Reds number one. Now, we'll talk about some particular players coming up, but what, as a haul, overall haul, why the Reds number one? Yeah, and I mean, kind of what you just, you know, kind of touched on, um, I kind of had the same feeling as draft went on, like, man, they're getting good player after good player after good player. I mean, the shortest, I think, uh, supply in this draft, and it's a deeper draft than most, was college pitching. And the Reds start off, and they got probably two of the five best college pitchers in the draft in, in Rhett Lauder and Ty Floyd. You know, Rhett Lauder, I think, I mean, everybody was talking about Paul Skeens for obvious reasons. Rhett Lauder doesn't have Paul Skeens' stuff. Skeens went number one in the Pirates. He's got good stuff, one of the best changeups in this draft, solid fastball, solid slider. But I think what really stands out with him is just the consistency of, of throwing strikes, of performing every time out. I think he's going to be a guy who shoots the big leagues real quick. And then Ty Floyd, who was a little inconsistent at LSU, had good stuff, but was up and down. You know, certainly his last start of his college career, he struck out 17 and in eight innings of the College World Series, and that kind of propelled him up a little bit. Even though teams always say they don't perform in scout, that certainly helped Ty Floyd. So, the, so that was a good start right there. They got you know two pitchers. And you look at it, you're not drafted for need, but we look at the big league team. You, you got more young players than you can seem to squeeze in places. You got more young players than the minors, position players. And so getting pitching, like, was great. You know, I mean, they, they took the guys who deserved to go there in talent and also fit a team need. But then it just didn't stop. I mean, they got two high school players. You know, high school guys sometimes go lower in the draft and get overslot bonuses rather than going as high as they're rated. Teams just, I think, feel more comfortable sometimes taking the college guys earlier and then even if you're paying the high school guys paying them later and they got Sammy Stafura shortstop in the second round who, who had a bunch of first round buzz 
And then Cole Schoenwetter, a high school pitcher from California in the fourth round, who you know, probably could have gone in the supplemental first round, early second round, if it was just based purely on talent. So those were two kind of steals for where they got him in the draft. And then you got a pair of co- polished college lefties and Hunter Holland and Logan Van Trek. You got the draft's best defensive catcher and Long Beach State's Connor Burns. You got two productive college bats in kind of the middle of day two and Ethan O'Donnell and Carter Graham. I mean, it just, you know, they, it, it was quality and quantity. You know, it wasn't just, hey, we got three really good picks at the top and we're happy with that. It just kept stacking talent after talent after talent. So I, I really liked it from, like I said, both standpoints, quality and quantity. When you're talking about Rhett Louder, who was <clears throat> their uh, first round pick, number seven overall, uh, obviously he got a lot of attention in the College World Series, that battle, those battles with LSU. Um, when you look at him, I, I'm sure you've talked to him. He seems not only polished on the mound, but really polished on the mental side of the game. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, I, I do think like that stuff, like I think there's a lot more time devoted to it than there was, say, 25 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it's just like, like it's weird to say this because it makes it sound like I, I think he's a soft tosser, but it's almost like the stuff is less impressive than the command and the mound presence and just the consistency of Rhett Louder. And, and again, I think he has one of the better changes in the draft. Solid fastball and slider, but it's just, it's a complete package. I think it's going to be, you know, assuming, you know, he stays healthy, which you always wonder about with any pitcher, but there's no reason to suspect he won't, that I think he could move, you know, is very, you know, j- just as quickly as a Nick Lodolo. And, you know, Lodolo went, if I remember correctly, seventh overall mm-hmm. draft. And Nick pitched. I think I'm trying to think how many innings he pitched in the minor leagues off the top of my head. I mean, it wasn't many. I mean, I think Nick was in the big leagues after, I don't even think it was a hundred innings, right? In yeah, the minor leagues. It, I mean, it was not much. Part yeah. It played part of that. And and I think, I think louder could kind of move on a similar timetable. And I think he had a deeper repertoire and was a more accomplished college pitcher than Nick was. Um, so yeah, no, I, I mean, to get him, I mean, it's, you kind of could see, the way the draft was going to turn out, there were five guys who were kind of number one pick candidates in most drafts, and they went one through five. And you could kind of suspect, I think we all kind of suspected that unless one of those guys fell, the Reds were going to take Rhett Louder, and and they did. What really impressed me about Louder once I looked into him and, and, and particularly heard him speak, he said he <clears throat> didn't have high velocity in high school and, or when he was younger. And he had to learn backwards. He had to learn how to be a pitcher <clears throat> and command and outstuff guys without the velocity. And then all of a sudden he kind of grows into his body and his velocity goes up. So he had already learned that. And it's usually the other way around. How impressive is that to you? Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> stick him in the major leagues right now because I, I do think there's an adjustment period. You know, he played at the top level of college baseball. Like that's not anywhere close to being the same as major leagues, but there's not honestly really much he needs to do. I mean, the biggest question on him coming into the year was the quality of his slider, which he improved. Um, you know, is era where we kind of you know quantify and measure everything. His fastball shape, it's more sync than carry, so it's not optimal fastball shape, but he commands it really well. So I don't think that's as big a concern as 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 it would be for somebody who didn't have his command. I, 
again, not saying he's ready for the big leagues, but I don't know. Like, if you were to say, what does he need to work on? I don't know if there's really anything he needs to work on. I think he just needs to kind of go out and test himself against, you know, various levels in the minor leagues, and then he'll be ready for the big league. Like, it really wouldn't surprise me if he and Paul Skeens, who went number one of the Pirates, the LSU pitcher, are in the big leagues at the middle by the middle of next season because um, they, they, I mean, Skeens has more spectacular stuff, and he's got, you know, pretty good control of it too. But, like, I don't know. Like, I guess with Skeens, you'd say, okay, maybe he needs to throw a changeup a little bit more. Although, I mean, his fastball and slider are pretty unhittable, and he's going to throw those probably 85% of the time anyway. But um, I, I really don't know what to say that Rhett really needs to work on, to be honest with you. Well, being in the same division, I'm sure there's going to be Skeens v. Louder comparisons, if not head-to-head matchups uh, in the future. Looking forward to that. Now, Ty Floyd, when I watched him, and you talked about it in the College World Series, his stock really went up. Now, I saw a fastball that was not only high velocity, but it was playing up and in, and that thing had some life on it. You mentioned the inconsistency, but meant from what I saw, and I only saw one game, I was like, wow, this guy has electric stuff, perhaps. Yeah, that, that, that he was he was at his best that night. And, and you're right. I mean, you're talking about fastball shape. He does have that kind of what they refer to as induced vertical break, where it seems like the ball's rising. Right. Um, and it produces a lot of carry up in the strike zone. He can be anywhere from 91 to 97. Um you know, it just comes down to consistency with him. You know, he's got a slow, low 80 slider. It's probably his second best pitch. He, he's he's thrown a curve. He throws a change up. I don't think he has as much confidence in those. He's not, he, he's more, he, he's got the exact same build as Rhett Louder. They're both listed 6200. He's more, I, I think Rhett's more athletic and repeats his delivery better and throws more strikes. Um, and, and while Floyd, I think he generates his stuff pretty easily, it just comes down to, with him, he needs to refine the secondary pitches and he needs to throw him for strikes more often. If he gets that consistency, then I think he could be a mid-rotation starter. And if he doesn't, I think he still has like a good deal of value as he's probably like a multi-inning reliever who can rely heavily on that fastball. Sammy Stafora, you talked about he's he's a New York kid, so he's from the north. Uh, a shortstop uh, to be able to, again, he fell uh, to the Reds to be able to get a talent like that in the second round. Those are the type of things that uh, make an overall class good. Are they not? Exactly. Like I said, I, I thought he might go before the first round ended and he got to the Reds at the top of the second round. And, you know, I, like I know I've said this a million times, I feel like this spring, but he kind of gives off an Anthony Volpe vibe um, and, and more like what Volpe became as a prospect um, then like, I think he's a better prospect than, than he was when the Yankees took Volpe in the first round. Like he's, he's definitely a shortstop can really field good actions, strong arm, like, like quality athlete, some quickness. He's got all that stuff. You know, I think there's a little bit, but this is true of a lot of high school guys. There's some mixed reports on his bat. Um, some guys think like he's the type of guy who's, you know, could be a 20 home run guy and hit for decent average. Other guys want to see him prove that a little bit. But, I mean, there's a lot of interesting tools here with Sammy Stafura, and he probably should not. I mean, he got paid higher than the 43rd pick. He, he got a higher bonus than Ty Floyd. Um, but he should not have been on the board in terms of talent, you know, with the 43rd overall pick. Yeah, trying to do it when I think he was a Clemson signee. Uh, and he already said it. You know, he said that night, listen, I'm signing. I'm going, I'm going pro. Yeah, I mean, you know, these guys in the first 10 rounds, barring, like, some kind of miscommunication – 
um, or like a, a surprise with a physical or something, they're all going to sign. I mean, most yeah. of these teams know when they pick the player, what it will, they already have the deals lined up because you're trying to manage the bonus pool. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the Reds, I think to this point, when we're recording this on Friday morning, have signed all but one of their 11 picks in the first 10 rounds, and that guy's going to sign too. Yeah. What, uh, you know, there was there were some lean years in their Reds drafting, particularly first-round picks. Um, what do you think's been the turnaround for this organization as far as particularly drafting? Um, you know, I mean, the draft is hard. Like, no, nobody, like, even, like, whoever we would determine, if we figure out, okay, this is the best, uh, the best scouting director, or this is the best drafting team, there's, it's hard projecting players. Guys get hurt, especially pitchers. It, it, it's hard to project that out. So, like, like some of it's just kind of ebbs and flows. I mean, I will say, I mean, you know, they went through a run where they got Hunter Green and Jonathan India and Nick Lodolo in back-to-back-to-back drafts. Yeah. And that looks pretty good. You know, like, the, the jury's still out, I think, on Austin Hendrick and Jay Allen and Matt Nelson. And then they bounced back with Matt McClain in 21 and, and Cam Collier in 22. So I actually think they've drafted fairly well over the years um, with some depth, too. Well, like, you know, I mean, shoot, I mean, Chris Buckley's been in Cincinnati for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Brad Metter's been there and you know, Joe Katuska is now run, running drafts. But, you know, I think they've had a lot of the same people in, you know, high up scouting positions. Maybe the guys have been promoted, but they're still there. So I don't think it's it's a change in philosophy. And I do think they're uh, maybe trying to think that's what's correct. Like, for want of a better word, like one of the more traditional teams when it comes to scouting. Like, like they look at everything. They look at the data and, you know, they, they you know, do everything that everybody else is doing, but you know, they're, they're going to draft, like they don't have like an algorithm that says, Hey, don't take high, you know, don't take pitchers high or don't take high schoolers in the first round or, Hey, you got to focus on 17 year olds. Don't take 19 year olds. I think they just kind of do a traditional job whereas they consider all the factors and they line the players up and then they take the best player on the board when they pick, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, playing the demographic game. So, I don't think they've they've changed their approach or anything. Um, you know, it, it just you know th- this draft looks particularly strong. But like the Cam Collier pick, and both Cam Collier and Matt McClain the last two years were two guys who I don't think people expected to get to their pick in the middle of the first round. And the Reds kind of I think helped those guys get there a little bit by paying some overslot bonuses. But I think the Reds over the years have, have done a pretty consistent job. Yeah, when I I've been around here for a while, so when I was uh, referring to that, I was referring to maybe the the early 2010s, the last five years. Absolutely, I mean you can see it on the field and see it in the rankings. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, one one area, and the Reds have been, Nick Crawl particularly, was very open about this when he took the job. He said, we need to up our international signings game. We just have not been a player. We have not been a factor outside of a few guys. You know, you can mention a role as Chapman's and stuff like that. Um, but overall, have not been a team that has been highly successful in that area. Now, obviously, Ellie De La Cute, Cruz was the ultimate diamond in the rough that they found signing for $65,000. But you look at uh, the catcher Duno and I think Cabrera shortstop, they've at least upped their game. Have they not? They have, they have. And both those guys were, were, were two of the top international prospects, you know, in their class. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, that's an important component too. Now, you know, look, I mean, I think they'll even admit, you know, they didn't know Ellie La Cruz was going to be this good. So sometimes, you know, it pays to be lucky. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, shoot, you're, a lot of times with the top guys, you're committing to these guys when they're 13, 14 years old and trying to project what they're going to look like 10 years later, which is tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have, I think, made a more concerted effort to, to be involved, uh, you know, to try to get like pluck a top talent from the class, you know, when they can. And, you know, the results won't pay off as quickly as the draft will. But I think, you know, Duno and, and Cabrera would be the two guys I would mention. You know, a guy who wasn't as big ticket signing was kind of inter- interesting is, is Carlos Orhe, who's another middle yeah. infielder. He's, he's playing second base now. He's another interesting one, too. But, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we both know the Reds aren't going to be going out and, like, you know, giving Shohei Otani, you know, five or $600 million in free agency. They're going to have to grow a lot of their own talent. And I think right now they're doing that. I mean, we've seen a really nice infusion of talent at the big league level, and they're still – you know, more to come. I mean, the minor league system, it, it, it's not like we promoted all these guys and now it's barren. I mean, there's still a lot of talent in the farm system and now they've stacked, you know, but, you know, and look, I'll admit, I, every year I have to rank the drafts right after the draft and you don't know how good they're going to be for five or 10 years. There's a lot of factors that go into how they play out. But as of right now, like I said, I mean, the Reds, I thought had the best draft of anybody. So they, they, they stacked that on top of everything else. Yeah. I, that kind of leads me to my next question where a lot of these guys have graduated. I mean, you look at heck the other night the had an infield and, and the, the position players, their average age was 25 and a half. And that was the Ellie De La Cruz's and the Matt McLean's and the Spencer steers on the field. And even Tyler Stevenson on the field, uh, TJ Friedel, um, so a lot of those guys have graduated and the Reds class was consensus top five or, or I'm sorry, their minor league system con- consensus top five. Where would they be right now with all those guys? Let's say we've graduated even Christian Encarnacion Strand out of the system. Well, he still counts for us because we wait till they get to like 130 at bats or 45 days. Of time. Yeah, gotcha. I, just, I will give a disclaimer here. That's always a difficult question because we haven't, started re-rank we're just beginning our process of re-ranking right. our list in the top 100 and it's like one of those things like you have to kind of compare them to everybody else but like i'd still say like off the top of my head it feels like like and, and you have to factor in all these graduations because you know like you said 
I mean, just this year alone, you know, Steer and McLean, Nelly De La Cruz, those guys don't count anymore. Right. And Rabbit doesn't count anymore. He just graduated yesterday. I mean, that's four pretty significant big league contributors. Right. Like all the 100 prospects. Um, I guess Steer wasn't, but like, I mean, if you had those guys, I mean, and you factor in what they're doing at the big league level, like you like the system even more. But like, so I think for me, like they probably would rank maybe it's eight to 15. Again, it's hard to be super precise. Like I'd, I'd say they'd be in that. If you broke them into four tiers of systems, they'd probably be in that second tier, but that's still a pretty good accomplishment considering that they, that they've graduated three top 100 prospects this year. Plus Spencer steer. Like most organizations that take a hit like that. You kind of drop into the bottom half of, of major league baseball. And that's not going to be the case with the reds. I don't think. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear actually. Cause uh, you know, you brace for like, Oh man, they emptied out the system. Well, they emptied it out to the major league team, which is what you want. Uh, but that's great because that's what they, like you said, they're not going to go out and spend it, uh, the Shohei Otani money. They've said that we've got to, we've got to build within and that's the plan. And they're, uh, they're sticking to it. Now at the same time, fans are clamoring to, uh, maybe trade some of the young talent that they still have to go out and get some pitching because they're in contention. So you got to be careful, right? I mean, uh, I don't want to speak for the twins. I've said this before, but I'm sure that perhaps they would want to have the Tyler Malley trade back of Encarnacion, Strand, and Spencer's Deer. So you got to be careful, do you not? We do. Yeah, you, you can't, you know, there's only a finite amount of talent. And, like, at the time, it made a lot of sense for the twins. And, look, maybe the twins will bounce back and make the playoffs again this year. But, yeah, I mean, they gave up what looks like, I mean, now, granted, you know, those guys are both probably corner guys, and, you know, it's hard to, like, the Reds still have to figure out we're going to play all these guys with Noelvi Marty, Monte, and Edwin Arroyo, and Cam Collier, and maybe even South Stewart from last year's draft on the way. But, yeah, you can't just, you, you can't do that and say, hey, okay, we're the Reds, and we've got, you know, Marte's probably corner infielder, and Cam Collier's probably corner infielder, and South, infielder and South Stewart's probably corner infielder. So we can just trade a couple of those guys. Like, you, you can't look at it that way. Like, it, just because you have, Maybe they're blocked at the moment or, or you're doing pretty well at the moment. At the big league level, those positions, it still doesn't make those guys less valuable. So you kind of have to tread with caution. I mean, the thing that would make sense, I think, for the Reds, I mean, and, and I look, I mean, this isn't a profound thought that nobody else has thought of. Like, look, if you could find the right starting pitcher, I think you'd have to consider it. Because here's the nice thing about the Reds. Even if, let's say, they don't make the playoffs this year. There's no reason they shouldn't contend next year and the year after that. Yeah, you know they, they just need more pitching. Like part of it would help if if they got you know Green and Ladola back off the IL. Like that would be a nice addition, you know, right there. You know, Andrew Abbott's been a godsend. But like if you could get, like, and again, I don't know who that would be. Like the right starting pitcher, maybe it's somebody you would even keep going forward. You know, next year it's not just a, a two month rental. I, I think that's the type of deal they'd have to think seriously about. If they got a guy they knew could be in the rotation this year and next, then maybe you do give up some young talent. One final question for you, and this may be a hard one, but when you look at your, your rankings, and I know you're gonna you'll eventually re-rank these guys, but out of uh, Noel V. Martes and Edwin Arroyo, Cam Collier, you mentioned Chase Petty, we have not mentioned uh, fireballing right-hander they got for Sonny Gray, Sal Stewart, you mentioned Connor Phillips is at AAA. Uh, the Cabre- I think he's leading strikeouts too, right? I, yeah. mean, I think Connor Phillips, yeah. when I looked, was leading the minors. Yeah, he's strikeouts. been a strikeout artist. And Carlos Jorge, I mean, are, are there one or two guys that, in in your estimation or scouts or whoever you talk to, are you really excited about? 
Well, I mean, I think a lot of those guys are interesting. I mean, you know, like, you know, Connor Phillips, you know, I think he kind of flies under the radar because, you know, he wasn't a big time draft pick. He was the player to be named in the Jesse Winker trade. So he wasn't like the headliner right when that deal happened. But like, I mean, this is a guy who's always had a good arm. Um, you know, he, I, I, we split up the draft. So I, I have Texas. I had him at McClendon Community College. I mean, it's a big arm. It's up to 99 miles an hour with fastball. He's got a pair of pretty hard breaking balls. Um, he's been blowing hitters away this year. You know, I think it comes down to maybe he needs to throw a few more strikes, but there's there's definitely a big league pitcher in there. I, I think he's the one who's probably the least famous, at least of the guys who remain on the top of our Reds list. I mean, Marte was like a top 100 guy they got in trade, and Arroyo became a top 100 guy after they got him in the trade, and Cam Collier was a first-round pick, and Chase Petty was a first-round pick, and South Stewart was a supplemental first-round pick. So all those guys were kind of names when the Reds acquired him, and I think Connor's kind of flown under the radar. So he'd be... He'd be the sleeper in that bunch. But, I mean, all those guys, I think there's a lot of interest in them. Yeah, and a lot of excitement about them. I mean, Cam Collier, we still – I mean, I know it comes up. We don't talk about this. Cam Collier should be a high school senior right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, he, you know, he's already – like, he went out and he played juco ball when he should have been a high school junior and went to the Cape Cod League. Like, like I mean, he's not, you know, tearing it up. But he's also – he's 18 years old and he's in low A. Um so, I mean, there's a lot of exciting talent in the system. Well, I appreciate your insight, Jim. It's always great to uh, to talk to you, and uh, particularly when you are uh, praising the Red Legs, who's this audience that you're speaking to right <laughs> well, now. They deserve so. it. They deserve it. So. Well, we appreciate it very much. Where can they? Where can we catch your work? Obviously on MLB.com, MLBpipeline.com. Where else can they check you out? I, I'm on MLB Network from time to time, but, yep. like, I try to – Try to tweet everything I do and a lot of stuff we do at Pipeline at, at my Twitter account, Jim Callis MLB. And my, my, my quick plug is I think, I mean, I think it's quality work too, but the nice thing is we're not a pace site at all. All of our scouting reports, all of our rankings, all the videos we have on these guys, all of our analysis, it's all free. So you don't need a subscription to check that out. We have, I don't do our reds list. Jonathan Mayo does our reds list, but we have a top 30 reds list. Um, with, with video and scouting reports on all, all these guys up on our site. and We'll be updating that in the next couple of weeks as well. Appreciate it, Jim. Lots of luck going forward. I hope this is not the last time we talk. Oh, yeah, no problem at all. Anytime. It's, it's fun talking baseball. All right, Jim. Thank you. All right, we thank Jim Callis for stopping by. And uh, <laughs> listen, when I was – as I – Touch on a little bit. When I was following the MLB draft from afar, I'm like, wow, this, you know, and I'm a little biased, but I'm like, this uh, from, you know, and I don't follow it like Jim Callis does. I, I, I follow it, obviously. It's part of the gig. But I'm thinking to myself, this is this is a pretty good class that's developing. And then that was uh, – that was – Obviously, the case, uh, whether wherever you rank him, and, and you know, the, the rankings are not set in stone. Jim Callis ranks the Reds number one. Who knows? You cannot judge the draft at least five years down the line. Um, so, but it's exciting to, to see that he ranked the overall draft for the Reds number one. I mean, you're going up against 30 other teams. Now, obviously, it ha- it helps to draft high, and even though the Reds got hosed um, with the draft lottery last year, 
in picking seventh overall. So they didn't get the top. There was a top five consensus, and none of those guys fell. Even with that being the case, they were able to put together a fine class. And this is uh, what you hope the Reds will do because they are, uh, you know, and I said years ago, when a few years back when they said, listen, we're going we're gonna to draft within. I wish was, this was the path they were on years ago. We might be in a different situation. Certainly wouldn't have lost 100 games last year. Uh, so that criticism leading up to it's fair. It's fair. Um, but you've got to applaud not only the path that they decided to go on, but it's coming to fruition. Their plan is working. Not all plans work, particularly uh, something that's such a crapshoot like MLB drafts or international signings. Um, so at least for now, uh, you should applaud what's going on. And I, you know, back in spring training, there was a uh, there was a game where you you start to project guys where they're going to be in, in the plan. And there was a game in spring training when I looked out, and it was Ellie De La Cruz, it was Matt McClain, it was Spencer Steer, it was T.J. Friedel, it was players, even Will Benson. There's players like that that you looked out and you're like, oh, okay. Now I can actually see it. I think Marte, Noevi Marte might have even been in that game. Uh, spring training, one of the, you know, during the late stages of a game. And then the other night in the past week, I looked out and I'm like, wow, it's the same players. And this is not a spring training game. This is a major league game. They're ahead of schedule. Did we see foresee? We knew all these guys were going to be good. But this good and collectively playing well together, I think they're a little ahead of schedule. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season, but they're in contention. And this is a many people projected them to lose towards 100 games again this year. Anyone that says that they expected this right now, they're fibbing. They expected in the future maybe to start next year, or you could see sprinkles of it at the end of this year. But to be in contention right now, and granted the division's down, um, they're ahead of schedule. It's exciting. Now, at the same time, how quickly we change our focus, the Reds could use some pitching. But the market, when I talk to people that are in the know, whether they be front office types or scouts, the market for pitching is steep. And Nick Crawl might be a victim of his own success because last year the trades that he made are what people are basing this year's market on. No one will say it, but I'm telling you that's what's happened. Especially when Nick Crawl takes a call or makes a call, they don't want to get taken by what his staff did last year. So the Tyler Malley trade is a perfect example. When you look at that, from what you know now, would you want to give up Christian Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer for a pitcher that's maybe a four or five pitcher and might be a rental? No. So you got to be careful. You got to be really careful. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Very interesting. But, you know, it's not only drafting and it's not only trading for players, it's, uh, you know, the, the trades that are unsung, for instance, and the Reds, let's hopefully, you know, let's hope that they're not in 
sell mode in the future, but when they were, did pretty good. There were times when that wasn't the case, like a Cueto trade or a Chapman trade. But even a Tyler Naquin trade to the Mets doesn't get talked about much. I mean, that is way under the radar. But you look at who they got, and the Reds took a flyer. Okay, we're going to trade Tyler Naquin, and we're going to take a flyer on two young kids who their scouts identified as they might have high ceilings. Hector Rodriguez, Jose Acuna, look them up. That's who they got for Tyler Naquin. And when you can make trades like that, now we're talking. Now the pressure's going to be on a little bit in years forward. Let's hope that the Reds are in contention. They're not going to pick seventh overall if they're in contention and they're uh, perhaps winning a division title or at least coming close. So, you know, you're and you're not going to have, if you're not in sell mode right now, you're not going to have that high-profile veteran that you're going to pre- trade prospects for. So that's going to cool off a little bit. So... We'll see what happens going forward, but even these small trades can can make a difference. You look at Will Benson. They took a player they got in the trade with the Twins along with Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer, took that player, packaged him with last year's competitive balance B pick, which is basically at the end of the second round, Boyd, traded him to the Guardians because they saw something in Will Benson. Will Benson needed a change of scenery. It wasn't working out in Cleveland. It actually didn't work out at the beginning of the season. I don't know. Will Benson might hit a wall. I don't I don't know. But they even turned that into Will Benson. How good's Will Benson been? So they keep hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. And there are going to be some swings and misses, sure. But, man, they've had a good run. And uh, they have, they've had a very good run. And for them to be doing this at this point and ahead of schedule and revitalizing the fan base, which we all know was desperately needed, roughly year last year, on and off the field. So I love it. Lifelong Reds fan. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm not just uh, pumping wind here. I'm not just trying to pump you up because I work for the Reds and it's my gig. Part of it is that it'll always be, but you don't have to look farther than what's on the field and the results to applaud what's going on. So once again, we thank Jim Callis, and uh, I'm excited, excited for the future. Excited for now, and I'm excited for the future. And I love looking at the minor league system and seeing players Developed. Hallelujah! Love baseball. As always, thanks for joining us here for the Gym Day podcast, everyone. We hope we are a weekly source of distraction from the world that is the world right now. I get a lot of comments about, hey, I had a long drive, and man, you helped out listening to the podcast. And it's not me, it's the guests. It's all about the guests on this show. And they've given us some good insight. Check out the archives. I think you'll find some good stuff, particularly with the players that we have talked about on this podcast. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>